BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to the BDNG podcast. My name is Emmanuel and I'm an ACP in dermatology. And my name is Ashton Cleary and I am a clinical nurse specialist in dermatology. So we're going to be talking about scarring today and some common treatments. So Motti, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Um, so I am a skin cancer specialist nurse and I predominantly work in the two great diagnosing as well as um couple of other little bits and pieces like lasers and and whatnot as well. So tell us a little bit about some of the kind of common treatments for scarring and uh, what are your experiences with them? Um, Because we would do quite a lot of surgery in our departments one of the major complaints that we get from our patients is um, what the general expectation is with scarring. Um, When we do surgery on the face it's quite um, how do you say it concerning for people. People Mm-hmm. are quite affected by it um, in terms of cosmesis and, and what to expect and, and how to manage and get the best outcome. So scars then generally take about a year and a half to look and their best and settle down. So um, we, we, we can have to like do things to kind of help them, help them along really. So are there any creams or anything you tend to give to your patients that can help with scarring? Um, depending on what kind of scarring it is, um, I think the most important thing is to ask the patient what they're concerned about most. Some people are concerned about um, redness or the texture of the scar, the lumpiness, the fact that it's dipped or the fact that it's hypertrophic. So we can always manage all of those little things along the way. Um, redness, we can use a pulse dye laser um, to, you know, target the redness that's a single treatment that we do um if it's quite tight and hypertrophic we can always um put steroid injections to help flatten it down um or we can use um a fraxel laser in order to put micro abrasions in it and then put the steroid on top to deliver the steroid that way um but yeah we we can do quite a lot of different things scarring and the laser treatments, are they nurse-led or available on the NHS? They're not nurse-led, no, if it's Fraxel, um, because it's a, an ablative laser, so it's done by the consultant. Um, it can be done on the NHS if it's a part of the treatment. So, for example, if they've had skin cancer removed um, and the scarring is a result of the surgery that they've had done. The pulse dye laser clinic is nurse-led, so it's, it's a non-ablative laser. And you have to know the parameters of what you're targeting. So you deliver the chromophore according to the target of the redness. So what you're intending to do is to deliver enough energy without causing the break of the skin. So the the blood vessels on the the surface of the skin absorbs the energy and then it shuts those blood vessels down. So it's generally a single treatment um, and it's very effective. So I think people tend to, you know, get quite a good response from that. And you mentioned there that um, uh, the patients that you would see was because of they've had a skin cancer removed. Would you would you get any other referrals specifically for other scars that you would treat on the NHS? Yeah, so um, acne scarring. Yeah. So people who have severe acne scarring, they can get referred in. 
they tend to have different types of scars. So you can have ice pick scars, box car scars. Um, you just have to be able to identify the type of scarring that you're treating. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we tend to do for those ones, because they're dipped, sometimes we can do a pulse dye laser to remove the redness. Because when you have an acne scar, you lose your natural de- de- the natural layer of the skin. So then the scarring itself, the base of the scar, is thinner. So you know the, you can see the color a little bit easier. So we tend to remove the color, and some people are happy with that because the appearance is less it's obvious. Um, we have to check that there's no tethering. Tethering is when when someone smiles. And it looks like there's an elastic band pulling the center of the scar down. Oh cheek. yes, yeah. So you, we have to release that with subcision. So you put a blade in and then release it, and you can feel it ping up quite quickly. Um, and that tends to help quite a lot. Um, and that also stimulates the collagen as well. So you release it and then you massage it a little bit to to you know stimulate the collagen, and that lifts it up a bit. And then if that doesn't, you know, it's not as effective, then we can also drop in. TCA cross, which is an acid, and it literally just fills it up. Um, and then if that fails, then we can always put um, filler in. Yeah, you can inject a filler underneath the scar to lift it up. And if you have it enough times, it also causes a collagen response in order to lift it up. Um, but yeah, each and every scar, we can assess the scar and do different treatments. So these scars are also able to be done by um, a fraxel laser so an ablative laser to help stimulate the collagen response in order to lift it up yeah it's quite effective and what about we were talking a bit about kind of acne scarring Mm -hmm. uh what are the different types of acne scarring and kind of in your experience do you for example ice pick scarring is something i've I've heard Mm -hmm. about uh are there other treatments so for example facials can that help at all um, I don't think facials are that effective. It, it's probably, you know, facials are a bit controversial because it depends on what kind of facial you're going to get and, you know, what you're trying to achieve. Um, facials are more of a beauty treatment to make people feel nice and clean rather than actual an actual treatment. So um, anything to treat a scar definitely has to be assessed um, and then treated accordingly. So um, ice pick scars are like... It looks like someone's taken an ice pick and chipped a little bit of the skin out. So if you look at it on a cross section, the scar is like a V shape. Mm -hmm. So it's very good for TCA cross because you drop the acid in and then it pulls the skin together. Like like it closes the V shape basically. It's not so effective in boxcar scars because those those look like a little rectangle, like a like a box boxcar yeah <laughs> yeah she's drawing it here. <laughs> um so they're not that's not so effective with a tca cross so um that's more effective with you know maybe like a fraxel laser um or a bit of filler as well as so it's you have to check the redness the depth of the skin the depth and the width of the scar and what would be best in order to treat it to help lift it up um basically so it's, it's and do you find that these are one one-off treatments or is this continuous um it depends it depends on the scar so i wouldn't do all of the treatments at once you do one treatment and then reassess so if tca fails we'll say for an ice pick Mm -hmm. would you try that again the same tca or would you then move on to the next it just depends on how much response you're getting 
Okay. Yeah, everything's all very individualized because a lot of people don't just have one acne scar; they'll have mm. multiple multiple acne scars. So you generally see an overall uh, improvement within the appearance, and then you just go back and treat the other bits um, and try and slowly, gradually improve the overall appearance of, of, of the face. And how do you measure kind of success to make sure there's consistency? Do you use photography or do you just kind of get patient verbal feedback? Um, photography is, is definitely one of the things that you must do. You definitely take pictures before and after um, just to be able to monitor the progress. Um, and you have to gauge patient satisfaction as well. So it's up to the patient and see. Like some people are happy with just getting the redness out of it so you can laser it out. And they're just happy. They're just like, oh, it's a marketing. It's a market improvement within their appearance. And does this uh, to be um, again allowed to have this via the NHS? Do they have to meet a certain severity? No, there is no severity criteria at the moment. I think um, it's more like a. It, it's not an advertised kind of treatment that we have. So it's, it's up to the clinicians referring to know where to refer to. Okay, but yeah. most of your referrals are they're already being seen in dermatology mm-hmm. for their acne, so you know they're obviously at a certain level anyway. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Do you accept referrals from other uh, NHS hospitals because you work uh, in Guy's and St Thomas's? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Lovely. And do you accept referrals from up and down the UK? Yes, we do. Um, but with lasering and and lots of other treatments, it's quite challenging because we have to do um, a funding form. Okay. So um, within our trust, because they've already treated in our trust, we can give certain amount of treatments on on, on the trust because the patient's already uh, a patient within our cohort. Um, it's hard because because Guy's is such a specialist centre, there's not a lot of services around the country that offer these treatments. So we do get referrals from outside of um, our range or catchment area. Um, and then we, we also just have to do a funding request Basically, yeah. Sometimes it gets rejected because the GPs don't want to pay for it. Mm. But we can always try. Yeah, because sometimes it's 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 that yeah. line, isn't it, between aesthetic and yeah, sorry. absolutely. And medical dermatology. Medical dermatology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's definitely something that um, has like re- limitations, basically. So um, I think um, the consultant who normally sees the patient and does the assessment will say, okay do eight treatments and then discharge um you should see you should see a great improvement within that period of time anyway but majority of our patients are cancer or um burns and they most of them need psychological um assistance as well so when they come in they need to know that this is not a cure it's just an improvement to help their mental health so they need that psychological support so we tend to refer them to psychology um or to um, changing faces the charity so they can always get support and advice through changing faces so a lot of young girls they can go and learn how to put you know cover up makeup on and whatnot as well so it's you know it's a team effort really so with with burns specifically mm-hmm. what is the kind of first step in treatment for the scarring yeah so burns patients are quite challenging because you know the the skin grafts that they get put on um get they 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 complain the most about webbing and tightness so we have a patient who's been seen by us every three to four months for the last 10 years um and he had no movement in his arms um and now he he has um fraxel laser um two types he has deep effects and active effects so um 
the micro abrasions are, are targeting two different le- levels of the skin. Um, and he's been able to now move his wrist and have movement within his hands. So, you know, it, it, some of these pe- people do need that assistance. And I think they also enjoy having the continuity of care with the same clinicians over a period of time. And, and that, that, that general support is, is quite helpful to them. Yeah, of course. So you've got the f- you've got the physical element of mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's quite challenging for those patients. Um, but I guess and as they grow as well, especially if it's do, do you accept pediatrics? Um, um, we haven't seen a pediatric burns in a long time. No, I don't. I've, I've seen we got we get referrals um, from you know um, general dermatology. So as they grow, the scar would stretch, and then they might need even the more s- treatment. Yeah. So like the scar t- gets more tighter as they get mm. older the graft um doesn't move yeah so yeah so they need that to grow with them so we tend to just do treatments you know they the treatments are normally six weeks apart but with nhs obviously you can't always get every six weeks in patient into the clinic so we try and give them you know two to three months appointments um, it's quite a lot for them to attend actually and a lot of the nurses that are listening to this might not have any experience with with lasers so mm-hmm. could you mind just talking us through what some of the common side effects are um depending on the type of laser that you're using um you know the main things that you have with uh the fraxel laser which is a ablative carbon dioxide laser uh, the chromophore for that is water so it actually breaks the skin um so it, like i said it causes these micro abrasions within the skin so it, you can help stimulate you know the collagen response and whatnot. Um, the main things that we have with that is um, we have risk of infection, um, but, but the risk of infection is no different to cutting your finger in the kitchen, so it's less than 10%. But it's about educating the patients that there will be like fluid coming out of it. You have to manage it in about five to 10 days. It starts to settle down and then it'll be like a scab. We don't want a scab to form, so just treat it as if it was just um, a CNC. So just lots of moisture, um, doesn't need to be covered. Um, but yeah, side effects really are um, ocular damage. So with every laser, you always have to wear goggles. So, you know, just in case it kind of refracts off um, a metallic edge or something like that. Or if someone accidentally misfires, which you shouldn't really misfire, but, you know, accidents happen. So the eye goggles and to make sure that the doors are locked so that no one can come in whilst you're using the laser and then accidentally, you know, misfire somewhere. Um, but th- it's pretty safe to use. Um, and there's loads of other types. That, so, like, it just depends on the target of what you're targeting. Is is You need to make sure that you're choosing the right the right laser for the right target, basically. The r- so the right depth within the skin? Um, the right depth, the right, like, like so lasers um, get absorbed um basically by whatever you're targeting so the red laser which is the pulse dye laser you're targeting the red blood cells Mm -hmm. so if you look at a color wheel it's on the opposite end of the color wheel so the laser is going to be a green laser so the red absorbs the green and then it gets rid of the redness so like if it's a pigment laser then it's you know brown the color brown is what you're looking at um so that's normally done by a, a yag laser um or like a like hair removal laser so the pigment is you have to pick the pigment and the depth and the duration of the pulse duration or how long you want that to be delivered. So it's quite complicated. 
basically. <laughs> and how do you, uh, is there any risk of burns as well associated with it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, some, it's more burns with the, not the not exact laser. So IPL is, is the type of a treatment, which is intense pulsed light. Um, and to have an IPL treatment, generally you need to have a conductor, which is a gel. Um, if if you put the energies too high, you can cause superficial burns to the this top layer of the skin. So you have to be really careful. Um, so when you're doing a laser treatment, um, I would always recommend to do a test patch um, just to check it or to um, set the energy, put a delivery into the skin and watch the skin response before you continue. If it's too high and you're getting too much swelling or edema in the surface of the skin, then reduce it. Um, you can always build it up as well. So in the first instance, when you're doing a laser for the first time, you just have to make sure that, you know, you can you can always build up on the energies so you, you don't have to go full-blown on the first one. Um, it's more about checking each person's response because their skin might be redder one day or, you know, they might have went to the gym in the morning and or it's cold or it's hot. So the skin response changes. So you just have to check the skin that day and see what it's doing before you deliver the energy. And with um with training and education, so what is being where you work? What is being offered? Were you put on courses, or was it all in house training, or or what? How does it work there? We're pretty lucky to do to have in house training, as well as um, if you want to go and do further courses. The manufacturers are very good at putting on education days and, and teaching and doing one to one treatment um, on how to use the lasers and, and what the parameters are. So the, um, the manufacturers of each laser, are, are, they're, they're very good at, at, at organizing treatments. Um, you can always sign up to online education as well. Um, I think, you know, by the time you get to the stage of being able to deliver treatments, it's, you should be already proact- be proactive at finding out your own information rather than you know, just expecting the departments to teach you. Mm-hmm. So um, there are other courses that you can sign up to, um, paid for courses, obviously, but obvi- the, the manufacturers are very good at organising um, education days. So. And so you, you mentioned early, sorry, earlier, um, I can't remember the, was it, did you say fractional laser? Is that yeah, the one Fraxel. that, Fraxel, is that the one that uh, nurses at the moment cannot do? Do you think that will change? nurses do them in aesthetic clinics um um but that's something that i think really needs i think there's a bit of a gray area there okay in the nhs um, nurses don't do them because there's quite a lot of liability and risk so you just need to work within your scope of practice and what you know basically so if you're going to do anything like that then it's best to probably um have a laser specialist consultant with you um, to do it together rather than just doing it on your own because there is quite a lot of risk with that yeah thank you thank you so much have you got any other um top tips for dermatology nurses listening to this about laser or any take-home messages um what i would say is definitely make sure that you cover yourself don't do anything outside of your range of practice yeah. absolutely mm. it is such an area that is is, is very um unregulated Mm-hmm. Um, so don't do anything that you don't know. And should you want to go and do it in an aesthetics clinic, just make sure that you have a laser specialist consultant working within that clinic with you so that you know um, to be able to gauge and bounce off each other. 
really just to have that support um i think that's very crucial because you know it's such a complicated thing you know you could just do one little thing or increase a little bit and then something may go wrong and you know when you're treating people it's it's challenging to make sure you get it right no definitely i think what you said they're so important working within your scope of practice and having having people that you can you can troubleshoot with um because yeah you, you really don't want to get yourself in a, in a pickle especially if you're not working in the nhs and yeah you know absolutely in the nhs we're so lucky because we've got so many great consultants you know, at least a consultant with you on site at all times. Yeah. And we're lucky enough to, you know, have that resource. Um, but if you're going to go out and do it yourself, just make sure that, you know, education is there. Have yourself a manual, easy to read manual if if, you, if something happens that, you you know, you never encountered before and, and to have access to that information through another person who's who's an expert within that field. So I think that's really, really important. Perfect. And before you go, so obviously, guys, is a massive centre for it. Um, and if anyone is in a smaller centre and that they they might have any questions or um, just want to pick your brain about one or two things, would you be happy for them to get in yeah, contact absolutely. with you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Email. Email? Yeah. Perfect. We can um, put it on the show notes of, yeah, of the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so she'll get a, get a lot of messages. <laughs> <laughs> all good share knowledge share knowledge exactly exactly well thank you so much marty for coming on thank you for having me thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode for further information on the bdng visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next bdng podcast which is coming soon